0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Fix Podcast. So starting off, we have some events that are coming up in the next week or so. Um, There's not a ton going on because it's summertime. It's kickstarting everything, including the 105 to 110 degree weather. 113 on special occasions. Yes. If you are planning a brunch, guaranteed it will be 115. (laughs) If you are at work on a Thursday, it's going to be 90. So just be aware of that. So this is going to be out of order, just bear with us. We have First Friday on June 2nd, food truck, beer gardens, the same goodness you'd expect from a First Friday. Yeah, over on Roosevelt Roosevelt Row. Yes, 7 p.m. We also have a couple of things that are ongoing. The Desert Botanical Gardens are doing a flashlight tour, so you can do all the cool things that you would normally do at the Botanical Gardens, but with a flashlight and just fuck with your senses and walk (laughs) around yes
1: it kind of gives you an excuse to come out at night too
0: yeah enjoy the desert enjoy the nice cooler weather it'll be maybe 95 (laughs) instead of 105 so that'll be nice also this really cool exhibit that I just kind of stumbled upon it's called the ocean of light colon submergence and the uh, it's by this UK collective of artists and their name is Squid Soup. I don't know what that means, but it looks really cool. It says, immerse yourself in an ocean of light. Squid Soup's installations use light-based data visualization to create an augmented reality environment. Basically, it's just a lot of jargon, but the pictures look really cool, so if you want to Instagram things, support some local art. Or not local, just any art. They need money, so go check them out. It's $10 for adults at the Scottsdale Museum of Contemporary Art. Your Snapchat will be popping. Exactly. Guaranteed. The last thing we have, which I'm the most excited about, is the opening of Phoenix's first Puerto Rican food truck. It's called Phoenix Coquille, and they are Puerto Ricans serving up a lot of really good food. They're going to host their first, um, I guess, opening event at this place called The Rock, which I've never heard of, but it's on 4129 North 7th Avenue, so that's 7th Avenue. 7th Avenue and Indian School, and they're going to be serving food. I'm sure they're going to have giveaways. It's June 10th from 6 to 10 p.m. You can follow them on social media at Phoenix Coqui. That's C-O-Q-U-I. It's named after the national frog of Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's pretty cool. So those are the events around Phoenix. We hope you guys go out and enjoy them and learn more about, you know, different cultures and things happening around Phoenix and hopefully it'll inspire you to keep exploring. Mm-hmm. Today we'll be talking about a lot of different things that The majority of point directly to Donald Trump's fuckery in this (laughs) United States of America. We'll also be talking about things happening in Phoenix, a lot of things that have been annoying me as of late, NBA playoffs, a lot of other stuff, so we think it'll be a good show.
1: Keeping with the theme of Phoenix, um, let's talk about what's been getting on your nerves.
0: So... How much time do we have? Anyone who knows me knows I'm a little pretentious about the food scene, but it comes with a lot of time dedicated to TV shows and books and following chefs around and following their careers and actually going and trying these things. So I feel like I have like a tiny bit of, real-world experience. You've done some work. You yeah. have some knowledge. It's important to you. It's something
1: you care about. You yes. have passion for it. It doesn't make you a chef, but it makes you someone
0: that gives a damn, so yeah. you feel like you can
1: have a opinion about I, it.
0: Yes. And a valid one that should be taken into consideration. Yeah, and if you're tuned into this podcast, you've given me this platform, so you're going to sit back <laughs> right. and take it as fact, that I will tell you that I, I just... my own platform. <laughs> I just have an issue... With these new restaurants, let me preface this by saying I'm really happy that Phoenix is starting this new scene. I know that Fox Restaurant Concepts and Genuine Concepts are like the two biggest restaurateur companies in Phoenix right now. They own the majority of the places that we like, like The Vig, they, um, Cobra Arcade Bar, um, what's the one with the owl that I'm obsessed with?
1: <laughs> I was gonna say the hoots, but that's yeah.
0: what I call my local owls. Um, um it's called the Damn, I go there.
1: All Kate the, just posted oh, Woody, something about little Woody. It. Little Woody. <laughs> it's
0: called the Woody. Um <laughs> all of these places, they opened up Doebird, so Arcadia's popping right now. Like, all of these things. We're really happy with them, like Major. more power to them because it's making us want to go out more as we're living in the city and we finally have things to do. So I appreciate that. I want them to continue doing what they're doing. However, there are some places, namely this place called Chico Malo, which just opened up in cityscape. And I've been really excited because Erica has been telling me about it. She's going, getting off work and has seen the construction from start to finish. So we were really excited about it. They had the grand opening. So I decided to look at their menu and The prices were astronomical. I think a half of a rotisserie chicken is $36. Their scallops, diver scallops, are $32. This is Phoenix. We are landlocked. You know that shit's coming from, like, California or some rocky beach in Mexico. I get it. I get they need to pay for the imports. But come on, $32? Like, that's the most basic seafood dish you can have anywhere. We have, what is this, a ribeye for $36. Their tacos are a la carte, I guess, and some of them are $5, dollars four fifty, 50 and you get them individually, so you're not even getting like three for a certain price and then additional on top of that. It's just insane. Like a Caesar salad is $10, $12. It's just like, it's a little much. And especially for a new restaurant, I understand that they're trying to elevate the game a little bit. But then this is also coupled with my experience at this place called Ladera that we went to in Sunny Slope. And I was pissed when I went there. Gorgeous place, whatever. Super excited about it. We go there. Their tortillas aren't handmade. And you can just tell that they're from the store. And then the second part is it was like $30 something for a pile of pork garnitas that tasted like... It was nothing special. It wasn't that I was like, wow, this is amazing. It tasted like something that I can make. And I know how that sounds, but... Then they also had, oh, you should try this really cool cocktail. It has a real paleta in it, which is like a popsicle. And I was like, what flavors do you have? They're like, oh, I think we have like strawberry. There's a lime one. And I'm talking to the bartender. And he goes, wait, let me double check. And then he opens his fridge and pulls out a box of those like Nestle Outshine popsicles. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, um, I'm actually not going to get that. And then I said, You're not, you are not. guys don't even have real ones? And he didn't say anything. I was like, I'm not going to get that. And I wasn't being a dick. I was just kind of like taken aback. Yeah. And then we were like, well, let's try these tacos. Like, can we try one of each? He's like, we're actually not doing that right now. It's opening night. And I was like, okay, I get it. So a lot of these things, I'm sure, have been rectified since opening night. Opening night's really hard. There were so many people. So I get it. But our bill, I think we each had two drinks, uh, two entrees, and I think we shared three appetizers. It's a little bit of a bougie place, but we spent over $100 each. It was insane. And it wasn't even that good. I wasn't even like, this is amazing. I need to come back and bring everyone I know. So just a lot of these places, I feel like I understand that there's a food scene that's growing. But at the same time, I feel like there needs to be some sort of I don't even know if humble is the word. I just feel like you need, you're too big for your bridges. You're trying to run out the gate and you're not even, you're writing checks that you can't cash. Yeah. And it's really frustrating. And I went to um, Scott Conant's new restaurant downtown. It's called Mora Italian. And I've been to Scarpetta a bunch of times in Vegas and I really like him. He's well known. He's on, um, on Chopped and all of those things. And his menu was like, well-written and it was like the you were paying i felt like i got a deal for what i was getting you get handmade fresh pasta from like a guy who's won two i think he won a james beard award twice so like the pasta is really good and we didn't drink alcohol but we had a like a appetizer and then two pe- two dishes of pasta we left 48 dollars. it was amazing so yeah. i feel like i'm just so annoyed that these people are just doing way too much without really earning their place here. And it's really throwing everything off. And I think this might be rectified by more restaurants feeling encouraged to open here. But it's just, it's been horrible to go from like chain restaurants to all of this stuff that people out here can't even afford. It's not even... There's no in between. There's no in between. And then a place like Chico
1: Mala opens up and they're in a prime location. They're in downtown Phoenix in which people have been like begging, hoping, praying for place to open up with good Mexican food in Mm -hmm. the downtown area Mm -hmm. and we end up having this place it opens up it looks so great like it's beautiful inside the interior um, you know the decoration the styling everything is it's fantastic but you want a place that you can go on Taco Tuesday and get street tacos and not break the bank you want a place you can go after work and get chips and salsa or and margaritas with your friends and feel like, cool, this was 15, 20 bucks and it was delicious and it was worth my time. Not, okay, well, I only have, you know, $20 and I can get one $7 taco and maybe a $10 margarita and still have enough to give a shitty tip to whoever helped me. Mm -hmm. Like that's not beneficial. We want to build up cityscape, and I think that a lot of times we have
0: too many places that are too expensive. Like, it's not...
1: That's and it's not, not LA. feasible.
0: We shouldn't be trying to compete with restaurants in LA and yes. San Francisco. Like, we're our own place. We're our own demographic. Try to think of the people that you're trying to serve. Are they going to spend $36 on this plate of food? Hell no. It's just going to be the same people, the same people who don't know the difference between a good and bad food, whether it's ethnic or not. It's just... It's a little ridiculous. I feel like they're trying to hoodwink people. It's strange, too, because in
1: that entire area, if you look around it, it's like Chipotle, Five Guys, uh, Ahi Poke Bowl, um, Starbucks, and then there's the bowling alley. But they even have, like, decently priced food in the area, like, and they have happy hour all the time. Copper Blues is right above. They have good happy hour and decently priced food. There's tons of places, pizza studio, like everything over there is affordable. I feel like Cityscape is kind of supposed to be that affordable space where there's a lot of food. So it would be nice if a restaurant would come in there and make really good Mexican food, but have like good street tacos mm-hmm. and simple, just dumb your menu down a little bit, which I know sounds terrible,
0: but simplicity is key. It is key, and also chefs are trained to do this thing. They're trained to learn how to write menus so that people understand because they're not going to go and have something and they don't even know what a coolie is. They're like, what the hell is this? Like, what am I eating? What are you serving me? And if often if you go to, like, really fancy restaurants, you'll read their menus, and if they're well written, it sounds, like, really plain. They'll just say um, – they'll call it whatever they want, they say pork belly over – I don't know. Let's just make anything up. Pork belly over um, – grits and a side of spinach and then you're like that sounds weird and then you get it and it's this beautiful deconstructed thing like that's the whole point of it is to make you think of the things that you know in a new way if we can use our resources here and help those smaller businesses or those mom and pops like maybe have a little bit more money and get like a brick and mortar place or something then maybe these restaurants will realize we need to actually have quality putting a high price on something doesn't mean that we're five star just makes people annoyed and like broke. And then like, you're gonna wonder why nobody's going. Exactly. I get that the
1: price tag to have real estate in Cityscape is likely high. Yeah. But you have to find a way to go around that and still build up your business and build up your brand
0: without alienating people. And it will force these people to realize like we can't just keep giving these people things that they think are good. This is, we're actually competing against authentic Mexican food, which is everywhere here. It just doesn't have the exposure as it should. But once people start eating that authentic food and the good food, they'll realize, Chico Malo, you guys is trash. Like, your tacos don't taste good. Why are you putting jelly on it? Like, things like that. It's a little ridiculous. But that was that was just my rant. I just felt, like, super annoyed by it. And I just had been going against, like, places and places and places where I'm just like, this is some bullshit.
1: Yeah, and then you go to Tacos Chiwa, spend $10, and have, like, the tacos of your life. Yeah, <laughs> Those were amazing. I was thinking about them today. I still haven't gone, but I. You said they were good, and I haven't seen anybody say they were bad. Like I have not seen one person say, "Wow, I didn't like those." Everybody is like, "Shout out that shit
0: knocks." It was so, so good. I And gotta they have go. alcohol, so win win win. Yeah, do what you got to do to get there. Just get there. Right. Moral <laughs> of the story: Just go to tacos, was. Yeah, fuck Chico Malo. Go to the taco truck behind Charlie's that no one knows the name of. But oh it's amazing. my gosh. Yeah. Just support those guys. <laughs> I saw someone write a status update. Like I had the best tacos in my life and it was like at a gas station, <laughs> like north of the 101 in Cave Creek. I was like, let's oh go. Oh my
1: gosh. That place was on diners, drive-ins, and dives. I'm pretty sure if oh, I'm thinking it. of the same place.
0: But it was Anthem. Okay,
1: it could be different. Places. It could be different.
0: And I was like, Guy Fieri, man. Like, that but makes he, you want to go. It was literally a place that was like in a gas station. I just remember his ad in Vegas that was like, holy guacamole. There was like a, <laughs> a donkey with sunglasses. I was like, How in are you? it's in the Rio. It's in the Rio. You have like Jose Andres, fucking three Michelin star across the street. And then you have Guy Fieri in his button down flame shirt with the sunglasses on his neck. <laughs> just serving people like nachos i kind of want to try his barrel. restaurant i wonder if it's any good probably i feel like he has a burger joint too or is
1: that I'm i think all of it like. just
0: looks like something exploded on the plate and it's like <laughs> piled high and there's onion rings on everything and there's two fingers up <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah man Oh, rock, on. On. <laughs> this is called our uh, rockin' nachos, we got our rockin' burgers, our rockin' tacos, and... Come on down to Flavor Town. <laughs> yeah, flavor bombastic blood. Like, shut up, shut up. I'd <laughs> oh shoot you in Mexico for that. I know, it's so funny, though. <laughs> so, Phoenix, do better. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of having to teach you how to be humble. that off my chest, but I know you had some. So on my end, I actually work downtown
1: and working downtown has been quite the experience of a lifetime. Um, You get used to people, different kinds of people, some unstable, Mm -hmm. (laughs) some with jobs, some without, some that just live on the streets, which is really unfortunate. And I know Phoenix has a really big problem with homeless population that just seems to be rapidly increasing. Whether it's on the light rail, the dash bus, Cesar Chavez Park, Cityscape, any corner with a light, any availability for somebody to be posted up, or sleeping on a bench, which guts me every time I see. Um, But some of y'all are out of pocket. Like, some of (laughs) y'all need to be stopped because... I had two wild homeless experiences this week. One, I was talking to my mom. I was walking back from Five Guys, and I'm, you know, just talking to my mom on the phone, whatever, got french fries in one hand, my phone in the other, and there's this man and this woman who are walking in the opposite direction, but like walking towards me, and we're going to pass each other by, and, you know, I'm like, I see them, whatever, mind my business, and... They just look like non-assuming, like front-of-the-mill people. And all of a sudden, the guy like stops and turns to me, and he's like, Get the right understanding! And then he keeps, <laughs> keeps walking. And anybody that doesn't work in the city would probably be disturbed greatly, um, maybe scared, frightened, unsure of what was going on. I just simply laughed, told my mom, some man, just yelled at me, I don't know what he's talking about. But like, mind your business, I'm just trying to get my Five Guys French fries, get back to my barbecue that's waiting for me in the break room, and have a nice lunch. Y'all have got to leave me alone. And then I hit up Starbucks in the mornings, usually twice a week. If I'm working overtime, I go and get Starbucks, so it just depends on how much time I'm going to be there. But I had gone to Starbucks after I got off the bus and there was this man and this woman posted up outside of CVS and like the CVS is on the corner so she was sitting down on the ground leaning up against the wall of like where the CVS was and then there's the sidewalk walkway and there's like this little brick area with plants and stuff and the guy was kind of leaning over there So I've got my headphones on, which I feel is a staple when you're going to be walking around in these streets, keep your headphones on, don't make eye contact, (laughs) (laughs) or you get sucked into talking to people. Um, So I walk past her and she's like waving at me like she knows me, like kind of like, excuse me, excuse me, whatever. And I have a hard time ignoring people. So like if somebody's trying to get my attention, even if I'm going to say no, I will give you the decency of acknowledging your presence, acknowledging that you're a person, you're speaking to me. I don't have to ignore you and treat you like a ghost.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, you know, take my headphones back a little bit and I'm just like, you know, i sorry I couldn't hear you. What was the question or whatever? And she's like, um, I need to use your phone. I, I need to make a call um, <laughs> to get somebody to pick me no, up or whatever. I'm looking at her like, madam. I don't know what you think this is, but you're not even alone. You got a dude right here next to you. I'm not going to give you my phone so he can run up behind me or something. Like, go in CVS and ask. I know CVS has a phone. Ask them. I just told her, like, I'm sorry, I need to be to work in, like, two minutes, which I literally did need to be to work, but my job is across the street. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, sorry, I, I can't let you use my phone. But I just don't know why y'all think people are going to be giving you access to their funds, their food, their money, their things that they have when, like, you just have to take care of yourself, and you can't be put in the position, it's 6.55 in the morning, there's not a lot of people out right here, I'm alone, you're with somebody else, you're both strangers, what do I look like giving you my phone? Like... (laughs) I have to be born yesterday to do something stupid like that. So it's just interesting dealing with the homeless population because I try to be empathetic. I try to be sympathetic. I try to be respectful and kind because there's a lot of people who are really, really rude to people who are homeless. And like their lives are hard enough. They don't have food, they don't have water. They don't have anything and it's freaking hot. Like this is the worst time of the year too. I think about like hundred and ten degrees. All those buildings around. So the heat is just like stuck to the ground and I hate seeing like people on the streets. But we gotta come to some kind of agreement on what we can do to help people because it's scary too. You like you have to take care of yourself. Right. Um, so And there's nothing that says that you
0: can't, you know? It's like you have to look out for yourself while you can look out for them, too. And it's just frustrating. I don't want to, like, bulldoze into a different subject, but it's just, like... Places like San Francisco, too, they have such a horrible drug and, like, homeless problem. But their homeless shelters are, like, at capacity. They're turning people away. And I don't know the situation out here. But something has got to give. I think they're like that, too, because... Behind my job, a couple blocks behind
1: it, when I used to drive, I would drive past this area and it would, it just seemed like homeless people were like running rampant. And I'm like, there's got to be a shelter over here. And you would just see everyone like huddled around, walking around this building. I'm like, I just have to imagine they don't have enough room for everybody. Mm-hmm. So where are these people going? You know, what? what are the resources? What do we have to do? Like, I just, I hate it. It's, I laugh at some of the funny stories where you're like, you have encounter people and you're like, man, that guy was doing some crazy stuff or saying some, you know, randomly yelling at me to get understanding when I have not said a word to you. And I don't know what you're talking about, but in the grand scheme of things, it really is like a, a problem here, and I mean, if it's bad here, I can only imagine it's bad in other cities too. Like you said, San Francisco, mm-hmm. you have experience living there, and even when I visited San
0: Francisco, it was pretty bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that wasn't maybe like five years ago or yeah. something. So, and that speaks to the national conversation, like you were mentioning with Ben Carson. Oh my God! And then it's like, so what can we do? Let's look to our leaders to give us some pointers about what are your plans to help these people? What can we do to support your plans to help these people? And then we have people like him.
1: And then Ben Carson says that poverty is a state of mind. Like you can just turn it on and off like a light switch. And you can just switch that, you know, flip that switch and say, you know what, I'm not gonna be be in poverty anymore. And by changing my mindset, you know, food magically appears in the refrigerator bills are magically paid, you, you you now make a livable wage instead of, you know, below the poverty line earnings, which some of these minimum wages are not enough for anybody to survive if you don't have other supporting factors. People in your home, like, you know, multiple incomes and things like that. So to hear Ben Carson, who only got a job because Donald Trump wanted somebody urban aka black to run the urban development portion of the government with no fucking experience like we'll just take this neurosurgeon who is black so he knows urban things right yeah,
0: yeah. it's like on 30 rock did you ever watch that show no there's a guy on there that they called twofer, and it's because he went to harvard and he's black so they got a two for one that's exactly what they have <laughs> oh my god
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's ben carson He's a fucking idiot. I hate him. I wish he would shut up. And he's always getting himself, like, in foot-and-mouth situations. He says the dumbest shit. I, like, cannot think of a time I heard him say something intelligent.
0: I can't. It's horrible. We're looking to these people to provide solutions to help our homeless community, help our schools. And, I mean, Betsy DeVos wants to take, like, a majority of the budget away Something like nine million away from all, like the education budget and the majority of those are going towards schools in inner cities where the teachers actually give a shit Some you know to help these kids and help them get out of their situations and they just don't care
1: they don't care they don't care they, they
0: don't care if you're not rich and white they yeah, do not give a fuck they don't period. care if you're
1: not contributing to their campaign. It's like come on, everything is dollars and cents with these people, but not in a way that's like, we need to think about the monetary gains and the wealth and how we can distribute it evenly. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can we get more for us? Right. 17 of us, or however many of you idiots it is, mm-hmm. that are billionaires. Like, okay, cool. The rest of you
0: can suffer. I don't care. Die. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not my problem. That whole mentality is just so bizarre to me. And it's like people who are, who see people on the streets with holding a sign and it says, you know, I, I need help. Please donate, whatever. All the po- the whole like percentage of the population aside that is not ne- not really homeless I can't say I just know that there's studies but the people who actually are and someone says just get a job like do you know how hard that is the majority of the reason why or the reason why the majority of homeless people are homeless is because the majority of them have mental illness and. It's debilitating, and they can't get the help that they need because they don't have the money because they don't have the insurance, the Obamacare that they need to get the treatment, and mental health isn't covered by insurance. So what do they do? They're broke. They have mental illnesses that keep them from getting jobs, and so they're on the street. So what can we do? What like services can we provide? Everything has progressed so much. Technology, the way that we
1: apply for jobs is different even from when I was 16 Mm -hmm. and applying for jobs and like going to the store and getting an application and then turning your application in. Like, does anybody do that anymore? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. No. Everything is online. Everything is like Google, your phone, websites, Facebook, What? Like you have to do everything through the internet Mm -hmm. and expecting people who have been homeless for so many years, not aware... And they, it's just short-sighted and foolish to
0: assume that everybody can just, oh, go get a job. Okay, cool. I'll do that. I mean, it seems to me short-term, as far as like what we could do, is not elect people like Ben Carson into any sort of position of power. Yeah. And... Proper vetting. We can't have people who don't know the ins and outs of the
1: industry that they're supposed to be in charge of. Running it. That doesn't make sense. I, I don't even, it's not a partisan issue.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. It's common fucking sense. Mm -hmm. Do you want me like operating on you when I've never taken a science class past high school? Would you want me operating on you? No, then I don't want Ben Carson running our urban housing development. He thinks because he pulled a knife on someone in Popeyes or whatever that fake ass story he told. <laughs> now we, now he's a thug and he's urban. Like he's like, you guys get me right? right. No, yep. you know. Like speaking of Popeyes, did you see? This is a good segue into Donald Trump. Ooh, Trump? But did you see that tweet? I sent you that tweet about like when they say the spicy's ready at Popeyes. <laughs> it's like the uh, little clip of Donald Trump like pushing his way to the front of that. Uh, conglomeration of world leaders Ugh. i was like wow that <sighs> is i mean that's real for when popeye says that the spicy chicken is ready but it's not real and it shouldn't be re- it is real but it shouldn't be real for our president well not my president
0: transitioning Ugh. into our national news section I feel like you could say let's talk
1: that. about Donald Trump and no one knows what you're gonna talk about yeah because there's like a scroll <laughs> have you ever seen that gif it's like a someone dropping a scroll and it goes on for like five frames <laughs> it's
0: like a slinky going <laughs> that's down what the I staircase. feel like
1: when someone says let's talk about Donald Trump or did you hear what Donald Trump did yeah which? Story because there's 75,000
0: of them in the last three months. Every single day, something breaks about someone in his immediate circle, about him, and everything that happens is the direct result of something that he did and in his incompetence. It's nobody he else. He
1: said, he did, he thought was a good idea, he signed, he created,
0: he lied. Like it's all him. It all goes back to him. And he. We have been blessed with him getting off of Twitter in the last nine days while he was abroad, but he did tweet I think yesterday and his location was on. So you know <laughs> that's that's amateur move. What right a there. dummy!
1: That's oh just, my
0: gosh! It's amateur hour at the White House. It's like that. Uh, I saw
1: someone posted something. I don't remember which social media it was, but it was like, remember when this was our biggest uh, scandal, and it was like. President Obama ordering Grey coupon or whatever on his hamburger, and they were like, "Um, Malia Obama wearing some shirt or whatever. Like, these were the, the scandals. Him chewing gum. Yeah. Like, these wearing a tan suit. The scandals were so petty. And I can't believe, like, the contrast. It's like night and day. Stuff now with Donald Trump is unfathomably... Embarrassing, disturbing, scary. I'm distraught. It, it's overwhelmingly fraudulent.
0: Like, it's just like you don't even believe that it's real. Even Republicans are, I mean, a lot of Republicans are just kind of floored by what he's doing. And I know that there are a lot of regrets out there and they don't want to say anything. But I guess going back to what has Donald Trump done? He's done a lot this week. (laughs) He's been been very active. He's been very busy making America great again. So has his very handsome Aryan son-in-law. Wow. Let's talk (laughs) about Jared Kushner for a minute. What is he doing? So, Russia, collusion, obstruction of justice. Treason. Has now turned into Jared Kushner setting up a private line between him and and Trump and probably everyone else in his little mini circle, the Kremlin, yes, and getting a direct line to them. It's going to be set up in Russia on their turf. No one's going to know about it. The FBI is not going to know about it. The CIA is not going to know about it. They're just going to have one can on one side, another can on the other, at Jared Kushner's ear, and a string.
1: They're going to fly up to Alaska, hit up uh, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin, and say.
0: Now, which home was it that you could
1: see Russia from so that I can live here? Can I use
0: that one? (laughs) Is there Wi-Fi? Is it locked? Does the FBI know about this? This is like some scandal shit. It's horrible. It's like
1: Prison Break. I'm telling you, when you watch the first season of Prison Break, once I get you hip to that, you'll see that
0: there are some parallels here. Even the ambassador to Russia didn't know about it. He was shocked by it. It's really shady. It cracks me up because the Russian situation,
1: they, like, refer to their group of people as the Kremlin. Yeah. And every time I read that, it makes me think of Donkey Kong because (laughs) (laughs) they had the Kremlins. of course it does. Like,
0: the little, little, like, alligator things were, I'm pretty sure they were called Kremlins. The ones that, like, they, like, do the, like, windmill, like, throwing of the rocks or whatever. But those different guys? No, those are the yellow ones with the shells. (laughs) And then they throw the hatchets. It's like the the Kremlins, like.
1: The entire, those, like, things that would, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the the second Donkey Kong I know the best, but they were, like, the ones that had, like, one leg and, like, a peg leg, mm-hmm. like, those were, like, oh, the, yeah. the yeah. Kremlins, and then I think, like, K. Rule was a Kremlin, uh. so it's, like, all his little minions were the Kremlins, which I thought, I wonder if that was done on purpose, because that game came out in, like, the early 90s. But yeah, every time I read that, I'm like, I want to play Donkey Kong. It makes me happy to not think about the stupidity. (laughs) So just talk about the Kremlin, and I'll go play Donkey Kong, and it works out perfectly.
0: But this guy's just... Someone is giving him too much life. Like, Trump doesn't know what he's doing. So Jared Kushner is basically... Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump are basically running our country right now. Before, it was Steve Bannon. That guy's gone. He's fixing his face or whatever he's doing. But (laughs) these guys are running our country. They are colluding like crazy. They are just running wild and trump doesn't even know what he's doing he's just basically trying to get his wife to hold his hand but what
1: does putin have on him my god release it already so we can impeach him Mm -hmm. like please there's got to be some reason that he is bending over
0: and taking it so hard for russia why isn't anyone around him saying no i understand that trump can veto that. He can just say, I don't care what you say. I'm just going to fire you anyway. So I get that there's a culture of fear. But then I th- I look at people like Jeff Flake. And Jeff Flake and this other senator from Nevada, I forget his name, they are like the two most vulnerable Republican seats in Congress right now because their terms are ending this in 2018. So Jeff Flake right now is... He's a major proponent of like pro life, all that stuff. Do you remember that thing back in March when they had a town hall and they were just like berating him for two hours, just screaming <laughs> at him? It was great. Yeah. But, Jeff like definitely took an L that day. Yeah.
1: Good. He
0: should've. He needed to. I mean he handled it, but he needed to People take were that there L. when his when the plane touched down, <laughs> the tires hit the tarmac and people were out there going crazy, which is great. But he is trying to get re-elected, so now he doesn't have an opinion on anything, which is great. We have a guy who has an opinion on too many things, and then when it's time to get elected, he doesn't want to say anything. He tweeted, the James Comey thing, we all wanted to see the memo that he wrote about his conversation between he and Trump, um, just to see if there was any evidence of collusion, which I'm sure there was. I'm sure it's all yeah. throughout the memo. And all he tweeted was, we need to read the memo. It's like, excuse me, like Destiny. you can actually... You can vote and you can talk to people who have the ability to move the needle to get some independent counsel because Comey's fired now. But all you're saying is just we need to see it taking a very neutral stance. And it's like all of a sudden you're a little leaning a little bit to the left now. Like, I don't know. I just feel like Arizona is very... We have very fickle Republican congressmen and we have John McCain and I... John McCain does, like, five really good things and then just one, just does one thing that is just unbelievably horrible. And you're just like, why did I vote for you? Why are you in here? And then he's, like, goes on Parks and Rec and everyone is like, okay, you're cool. John McCain is super frustrating because he talks a lot. Yeah. He talks and it's like,
1: oh, okay, this is Republican leadership, but he has some semblance of a brain. And I feel like he's using it and he's attempting to say, like, hey you know this is not right we want we want republican leadership in our op- you know in the highest office but we want good republican leadership
0: and he went on national tv and said we need independent counsel like this is not acceptable. But I need him to did. stop voting
1: stupidly. Like, yes. that's what's killing me. Is like he's saying all the right things. And then it comes out and it's like, yeah, John McCain voted for this and this and that. Yeah, and I'm he like, got a
0: kickback from Betsy DeVos. Yeah, I'm like, I'm what? Like,
1: you dummy. Like, this is what happens when I start trying to give any of you hoes any type of credence or any type of like, all right, you know what? That was, You were right. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Is why I have to stop. Because you guys... Give you an inch, you take a mile. Yeah. And like, that's why I feel about John McCain. I want him to actually be the quote, maverick that he claims to be. If you're so about getting the right leadership in office, then stand up and do lead the fight. Get this guy out of here. Get. Clean house. Maybe your ass can take the damn, you could be the fucking president. I honestly would welcome John McCain with open arms. Mm. Come on down, let's go. I didn't like it. I didn't see it for you when you were going against Obama. But hey, Obama had his two terms. He's gone now. We have to let that go.
0: Yeah. Come on to the front,
1: to the front of the line, John McCain. Lead the
0: fight. You guys are putting your party over the country. And that's why we're in the streets and that's why we're yelling at you at town halls. So keep pe- keep going to downtown halls. Do not vote for Jet Flake in twenty eighteen. No, do not. Because he doesn't care and he's he's weak. He is spineless. And Arizona is considered a swing state for the first I don't even know if it's for the first time, but I know at least in my general knowledge of being an Arizonan, it
1: yeah, was never considered a swing ever state at all. I remember that. In if my we can my
0: And if we can just get one more Democrat at a seat here. Fuck off, Jeff Flake. There's so much that's going to happen. I know next week, Memorial Day is happening, so Trump is going to say something like, rah, rah, support our troops, which we should. I don't know. I just feel like people are dying out there at the, the hands of really incompetent people. So give Memorial Day, give those people that day. And on Tuesday, when Trump clocks in, I'm sure there will be more breaking news. Oh, I'm... We can't go like
1: six hours without something coming out of that.
0: Every day, like 3 p.m. We haven't heard from John Spicer in a while. We haven't, and he is on very thin ice. Did you hear that they didn't let him meet the Pope? Yes. That's so sad.
1: (laughs) He's so petty, I swear. He's horrible. It's just like you're literally, your boss is a loose cannon. Everyone that has to deal with Donald Trump is like, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Are you going to have
0: a job tomorrow? You might not. He gives people like an hour to prepare for really like big news. Like Trump decides to do this, like whatever, sign this executive order and they're just like scrambling This is. did you read here. that time article yeah oh my i God. knew that i knew the second i saw that cover up like this is gonna hustle shit literally it was like people are looking for jobs yeah. like
1: we are running for the hills we're trying to get out before it's too late i don't want my resume going down in flames at the hands of working for the trump administration like it's killing people's careers being associated with this sociopath
0: mm-hmm He's insane. I don't he get li- it. He's got to have
1: dementia or something. He can't even put together like a complete sentence. He has a
0: vocabulary of like a, like, like
1: 84 and, words. And, and, and you know, I, I was a, a, a big proponent of uh, uh, that thing. Yeah, you uh, know, he's just, he's just a nut job.
0: Yeah, I'm Maybe. so
1: glad you, he probably uses the word retarded in,
0: uh, in like. Someone said that to me today. He and probably I uses just that like, word in
1: casual conversation. This person at my job does it all the time, and I'm like, "No, no, no. don't you know by now that we don't say that? Come
0: on." Well, is this also 1992? Yeah. (laughs) Like, where's HR? Yeah. Damn. He's just giving life to a very small but loud and disgusting population that has, before now, like, been living in a closet, hanging. (laughs) Um, now he's the leader of the free world
1: with Barack Obama's face on it. Yeah, outside of all the closet use.
0: racists are coming out. That's of the, the thing
1: too is it's like it's not even a small amount of people; it's a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It had to be for this idiot to be the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I don't know. It's a lot of crazy stuff going on here, but it's like, is there anybody in this administration, this family? Are any of your hands clean? The answer is no. Clean house. And Paul Ryan got to go too, because I'll be damned if that fool becomes the president. He's dick. I hate, hate Paul Ryan so much.
0: He is an evil human being. He has Jared and Ivanka running their foreign policy, and Paul Ryan just slashing everything here. Every he's like, oh, black people, Mm. brown people, no health insurance, no
1: immigrants, nah, fuck them, deport them, get them out of here. (laughs) Like what? Penis
0: medicine. Let's give it twenty million (sighs) dollars. What a bunch of idiots.
1: It's just sad. It really makes me sad that this is where we are. This is what life has come to. This is the country we, we wake up to every day. Every day. And unfortunately, the justice system... Which may not necessarily be the system that's going to handle all this, but in general, it moves as slow as molasses. So even if there's some sort of momentum with this impeachment or investigation, I mean, we're looking at months, maybe even a few years. I mean, it's just not feasible that it's going to, like, it's not like we're going to wake up tomorrow and somebody's going to be like, I moved to impeach Donald Trump and it will be done by Friday. Like, mm-hmm. everything just is so slow, which sounds crazy. if You can't even have hope about mm-hmm. potential moves and getting this momentum going. it Everything is just so far from ever being worth a damn.
0: Well, keep your heads up. Keep informed. There is no excuse for just not at least keeping up in the very in the broadest sense of the term about what's going on here. like you don't need to listen to NPR every day and read the New York Times every day, but try to stay informed about what's happening because it's going to affect you. It's not a matter of if it's just when. So stay on top of it. stay on top of what's happening in your city because it matters and we'll go into that later.
1: Yeah, but it's going on everywhere and it's just going to get worse. So
0: stay vigilant and stay informed
1: and support each
0: other anytime I see a woman in the streets now I'm like are you good I don't say that but in my head I'm like what can I do you're looking for signs yeah let's make our interaction today the best thing that could happen right now in the next 10 to 15 minutes because I'm going to compliment you I'm going to help you with what you need because we need to stick together and that's going to come back later so Forty nine. so want to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs and make it, bring a little light to this? On a happier note, the only thing I've been seeing on Twitter is that everyone's pretty pissed, and I would like (laughs) you to tell me why. NBA playoffs this
1: year have been a sham, a mockery, and a disgrace, and I'm going to let you know why. There are two teams that matter, and these two teams are in the NBA Finals, which start on June 1st, but everybody else is just second fiddle. And it was apparent in every series. The Warriors have not lost in this postseason, and they are in the finals. The Cavaliers have lost one game. One. They have bulldozed over every team they have played. There's been some competitive games in series that didn't involve either of those two teams. But you knew, okay, this series is interesting, it's it's entertaining. just a fight for third place. But it's literally delaying the inevitable which is Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to play each other for the third straight year in the NBA Finals. And I think the Finals are going to be good. I feel confident that they are going to be competitive because both of these teams are so good. They're stacked. They're good in different ways. So I think that there's going to end up being a lot of competitive close hard-fought victories and we need it because it the playoffs have been taking place since the middle of April and it's just been bad it, it has just not been worth the time I spent half of the time with the game on in the background muted or checking my phone like okay let me see who who's playing, let's see who won this game, let's see what's going on. Any interesting stories, any injuries, what's going on, but it just haven't been compelling. And I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that the finals will be better. I don't have a prediction right now because I I just don't know. I really don't know. Of course, the first meeting, the Warriors won, but the Cavs were understaffed, I should say. They had a couple injuries, key injuries to two of their key uh, starters. So even though they forced six games, it was pretty obvious that the Warriors were going to come out on top. Last year, it seemed obvious that the Warriors were going to come out on top, but injuries and suspensions and a complete shift in Dream momentum
0: Green,
1: <laughs> basically, and a complete takeover by LeBron James, a man that could not be stopped. Made it so the Cavaliers ended up winning that series when it seemed like they were done for. So I have no idea what's going to happen this year because both teams are actually at full strength, full capacity. And it's going to be, obviously the Warriors want to kick some ass and the Cavs want to repeat. So everybody has a lot to play for. We're going to see who wins. Sounds good.
0: Sounds exciting. I will actually might tune in for that.
1: Yeah, it, I just I think, saw things. I was like already halfway good. in,
0: and then people were like, "Man, can we go to the finals?" I'm like, "I'm not gonna waste my time with this." It,
1: it was like that from jump. Like I said, they they barely, like they haven't lost a game. Warriors have not lost a game, and the Cavs lost a flute game where the Celtics came back from like 25 down Damn. and ended up winning. Wow, so they ain't winning again after that. So, <laughs> God, I remember when the Celtics were good? Yes, they you know they are good. They just have a LeBron James problem like everybody else in the East does. And there's nothing that really anybody can do about the Cavaliers unless someone has like a career ending injury or some sort of falling out between players. It's going to have to be, something's going to have to happen. And I don't want that to happen because obviously all their players are really good and I like them. I like their team. So I would hate to see something negative happen, but I don't know. We're going to see. I'm excited. The finals will be starting on June 1st, and then I believe the games are every two to three days. So it will be over at the latest Father's Day, would be Game
0: 7. Cool. Well, we can make our predictions if we want. I mean, I'm always excited when the Warriors win. I mean, it was really exciting the first time for them. I love the Bay Area. I do think that Bay Area sports have a little bit of a, um, they're in their own bubble. I think that a lot of the Giants too, and the Sharks and all the other like big name organizations out there, they're just a little bit too larger than life sometimes. So it's a little bit annoying, but I think that's just me being personally annoyed by it. But hey, I'm down for another Warriors win, why not?
1: Yeah, either storyline is compelling. Of course, mm-hmm. like I said, if the Cavs win, it would be a repeat yeah. since they won last year. If the Warriors win, it'll be.
0: I really need Kevin Durant to get that ring. Wow! To can solidify. we talk about what's
1: going to happen if
0: they don't exactly. win exactly,
1: and they have Kevin Durant and every I Kevin I might he's not be a laughingstock. I might not be able to use Twitter for like three or, three to five days. Because I love Kevin Durant. I don't want him to take that kind of heat. It's gonna be unbearable like and it's going to amp up the whole conversation about that's already really prevalent right now about LeBron being the greatest ever because if he's able to beat this team this powerhouse starting that lineup that everyone says like this could be the greatest team ever just because offensively
0: they are really stacked with Steph I mean have we seen a team this stacked with this much star power since the Chicago Bulls, like 90, 1993, was it with Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, like all of them. Yeah, sprint,
1: all these, I don't know, Dennis you know. And Robin. even then, though, they were not like offensively stacked. Mm-hmm. The Warriors that's are true. offensively stacked. They have Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. They have Andre Iguodala coming off the bench. Iggy, Iggs. They have, uh, you know, that's my. I love him. My wildcat. Whoa. Yeah. I loved
0: him even when he was on the Nuggets. I was in. <laughs> yes. I
1: remember when he was on the 76ers and I was like, I mean, I was a huge fan of him when he played at U of A because, mm-hmm. um, that wasn't, my sister was at U of A. And so like him and Channing Frye, which is funny because Channing Frye plays for the Cavaliers now. So it's interesting to see old college teammates kind of battle it out now in the NBA from, wow, over 10 years ago. 15 it's been a years long ago. Oh my dude. gosh. Oh my gosh. James Harden was at ASU in 2008. Yes. And oh, I was going to say, and James Harden. But uh, yeah. Derek Williams is on the Cavs oh. now, too. And that was like the battles because, like, Derek Williams and yeah. I think James Harden were at ASU and U of A at the same kind of in the same years. Uh-huh. So that's interesting, too. But uh, it, it's cool. It's really cool. I think that um, just to see. People don't like super teams. I think it's kind of crazy to see that the players can have the power to control their own destinies. And, you know, back in the day, they didn't have like free agency where players could opt in and opt out of their contracts and really control their own destinies as far as like, I want to go to this team and you need to trade me and they didn't have any power. Now, I think they have a little bit more power and they're able to control what they want. If. You know, Kevin Durant wants to leave Oklahoma City, and he did. He could choose to go to the team that offered him the most money or offered him the best situation. It gives the players the power, and I think that that's important. Whether or not you agree or disagree, if you think he's a joke, if you think he's weak, if you think he's a ring chaser, if you think whatever, you know, I mean, that's your personal opinion. I can't take that from you, but I do think it's important that the players have some power because they are the ones that make the owners rich they are the ones that make the money for the league so them having the ability to say this is where i want to go this is what i want for my career i want to take control of my story
0: and my narrative is important and powerful did you see the the orlando magic 30 for 30 Yes. That's exactly what it reminds me of, just that same situation, like changing destinies and Shaq, who he is now, and Penny Hardaway, and I just thought that was really cool and interesting. And That I was a like
1: really good 30 for
0: 30. That was really good. It was really, really good. And it just shows the power of these kind of opportunities for these players and what they can do yeah, for them. Yeah, because
1: look at Shaq's career.
0: It's all a gamble, though. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, he we'll still see. went around from team to team kind of in the end, but like mm-hmm. going
1: to the Lakers was career-altering for him.
0: And for Penny. Yeah. And for Penny. Like, poor guy. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs>
1: gosh. I know. I think he ended up on the Suns at some point.
0: <sighs> I think so, too. Which is always where, you know, kind of like going, like ending a, up in the graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> you end up on the Suns. It's like washed-up businessmen end up in Houston and washed-up NBA players end up in fucking Suns. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I hope the Suns get it together. Because I, I wish w- they would because I, I would love, love <laughs> to be a Suns fan. I would love it. I love everything about them. I like their color scheme. I like I it like all. the Suns. Why you not? know,
1: I, I support them and I enjoy them, but I want more for their organization. Yeah. We have, like, a really good young core, like Devin Booker, who is cute as a button. Devin! <laughs> Devin Bay, as I call him. I still have
0: a very <laughs> zoomed-in picture from, from that game we went to.
1: Of P.J. Tucker? Yeah, doesn't PJ even Tucker! He doesn't even play here anymore. He plays in Toronto, but I remember that picture. It was, like, looks like he's about to drop a fire mm. r and album. But I, I like Devin Booker and uh, Tyler Eulis and... Um, we have a couple, of just like really young up and coming players, Brandon Knight. I mean, we had Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas, and we traded him to the Celtics, and now he's having like career great of sounds a lifetime. Good. Sounds, sounds like sounds right, literally on par. anything that happens, come to play in Phoenix, we'll ship you off, and you'll have like the best career ending, <laughs> whatever. Like it'll just be perfect for you as you ride off into the sunset. And we mm-hmm. got none of that. Yeah, but I think that the Suns have a good core, and I just hope that. As time passes and they get some good draft picks, let's make some good moves in the NBA draft at the end of June. Let's get some good players. Let's make some trades. Let's put a good, powerful supporting cast around Devin Booker. Because he's young. He's like 21 or something. He's super young. And he's really good. He's a great piece to build around, and they need to put the pieces in place to support him. They don't have that star to pull them up. They need the supporting cast. Yeah, they need team efforts i don't know who they need but they need somebody somebody good and a veteran presence on the team that can help devin and like i think he's actually been working out with kobe i think i read that so hopefully he'll get some you know impart some knowledge into devin you know kobe's obviously mm-hmm. always going to bring something to enrich the player's career they're skill set whatever so mm. fingers crossed I hope that the Suns make some move soon and I would love to go to the game and see the seats filled and the fans enthused
0: about going they yeah. just care
1: about the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks here the Suns yeah. are like and they only care
0: about middle. the Diamondbacks because of Zach Cranky. like they didn't care before but that people was about love it.
1: baseball that's like, true people
0: here love baseball and football they Man. do not like basketball that's true I love baseball
1: I wish I did. I, I, I love baseball baseball it's, puts just so, me to it's sleep. classic. It's so boring. <laughs> I I like it in the playoffs. I'll pay attention in yeah, the playoffs. Anything like, after
0: the all star break is Yeah, good. like,
1: okay, cool, let's see what's going on, who's in the running. I am like, not really familiar with the players because there's so many of them. Yeah. But um I enjoy but I don't like with basketball I can watch the entire season and the entire playoffs. Football even sometimes just depends on my mood. I might, like, not watch until, like, the 10th week or something. Like, I just don't care this year. Mm -hmm. But basketball, I'm there on time every year, all the time.
0: All right. Sounds good. Sounds like a good wrap to the NBA playoffs. Mm -hmm. Moving on. So each week we're going to have one major segment where we talk about something really big that we've come across and it could have been something that happened to us personally or something that we read. And this is just the fix. Like, we can't solve everything, but this is how we, again, through the lens of two women of color who are just working hard every day, just like everyone else, what we think we can do to just make our world better. So I read this thing that our friend Jamon posted on Facebook. And it was on the subject of you know, mass incarceration, in particular of um, the black community, and most, more specifically black men. It is very, very prominently in the black community. And this one is surrounding a uh, kid named Ramad Chapman, and he was found not guilty of a crime and was still sen- sentenced um, to a minimum of seven years in prison um, for I believe being accused of stealing a TV and he turned himself in and all of this stuff. They had, they had zero evidence about of him doing this crime and they, you know, he's still, he was still sent to jail for this. And he was, I think he, he's, he was either 24 or is 24 now. It's just, it's ridiculous. And it just started got, getting me thinking about, this situation, and I'm actually going to pull up some num- numbers that I found about incarceration trends in America, and this is coming from the NAACP, and they said that from 1980 to 2008, the number of people incarcerated in America quadrupled from 500,000 to 2.3 million, and that today the U.S. is 5% of the world's population and has 25% of the world's prisoners. And African Americans now constitute nearly 1 million of the 2.3 million incarcerated population. That's insane. That is terrifying to me. Those numbers are
1: sobering, to say the least.
0: Incarcerated at nearly six times the rate of whites, together African Americans and Hispanics comprise 58% of all prisoners. It's insane to me. And so I just kind of wanted to just open the floor to this because... I know, I'm still learning a lot about this stuff, and I, it's just really alarming to me. In college, I took a class about crime and, like, policing
1: or something. I can't remember the, the, the name of the class, but it was very interesting. But I had to write this paper, and I chose to write my paper on how prisons are becoming, like, the new mental institutions. And so that's another, I always think about this whenever people are talking about incarceration. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about, about the homeless, but... A lot of people end up in prison and they don't have the resources they need. It, it really actually is scarily similar to the homeless conversation now that I'm just saying the words out loud. But, you know, they don't have the resources to take care of people, but they're filling the prisons at this crazy rate. There's a lot of people in there who aren't getting the medication they need, whether it's, you know, they have diabetes or something. Like uh, some sort of illness or condition that they need. So it's just really scary to think that we're putting a lot of people in prison for these petty crimes or petty offenses. Like in the, the case of the story you referenced, this guy was on probation for a prior offense of some sort that's escaping me. But I remember reading the story and and he had found out that he had been accused of this crime. And he was like, oh, I didn't do that. Let me just get down, get on down to the police station and clear this up. Turn myself in. I know I didn't do it, but I'm already on probation. So it makes sense not to put myself in a position where they're going to come looking for me. And so even in the case of this guy who did the right thing, you know, he found out about what was going on said, let me take care of my business, clear my name. And they still said, well, you're not guilty, but the judge had it out for this guy and was like, oh, well, you know, you did this and blah, blah, blah. So I'm still sentencing you, even though he was found not guilty. I feel like, where is the where is the checks and balances? How are you able to still take over and control this person's life in a way that's affecting them negatively? Like, I will literally give you rope. But this is ridiculous. This person is losing so many years of their life
0: for literally proven crime that they did not commit. And still living their life, checking in with probation officers, getting a job, maintaining a job, getting a family. Like, all of these things, like, people are doing. They're, you know, at the very, 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 very basic level. The most basic level. That's what prison is, quote-unquote, meant to do is to serve your time, learn from your mistakes, go out and be an upstanding citizen when you leave. And people are doing those things and it still doesn't matter. Yeah. And so what's the common denominator here is race. And it's really insane. And it's just like the perception of people, which kind of goes into this other story. It, it has the Phoenix angle, but um, I found this this week and it was a little alarming to me Um I guess the silver lining, there is a silver lining to this, but um, this week the Arizona Supreme Court um, ruled that crime areas and others' actions at a very basic level don't justify frisks. So the story is that there is this guy, um, this was like 48th Street and like the 202, so not a very good area. Um, this guy, yep, Anthony Bernard Primus. So this guy was hanging out in his apartment complex in that area. He was talking to two of his friends. He had his one-year-old sitting on his lap and the cops were patrolling the area. This is in the middle of the day. The cops were patrolling an area because they had a report of someone living in that area who was known for um, dealing drugs. So they were looking for him. They had an ID. So they come up on these guys talking in the middle of the day, sitting in their chairs, just chatting. And they decide to stop and frisk all three of them because they are in a bad area. And they were also black, okay? So bad area, minority, let's, you know, stop and frisk them. So they, one guy ran away. The other two sat there and stayed. It was complying with police, answering questions, handed over ID. Um, when they were when they got asked to be frisked, they said yes, and they found a very small bag of marijuana in each of their pockets. And I was reading um, the court documents from this case, and also something that the ACLU had written up, and no one had mentioned how big the bag of weed was. And so they detained uh, Primus, and he was given a misdemeanor charge for possession of marijuana. And... Um, so the judge heard all of this stuff and upheld the charge. And however that happens in courts, whatever, he basically had this on his record. And so this is Arizona Supreme court. This was back in 20, I think 13 or 14. And the Supreme court just now ruled that it wasn't okay because the, to frisk them because the cops didn't have a reason to do it and therefore they overturned his misdemeanor charge because they said that the cops obtained the marijuana illegally because they didn't have to frisk them. The reason they did it was because they were black and they were sitting in a bad neighborhood. So things like this really get my blood boiling.
1: See, it just goes to show how long it takes. Like, that is something that happened four years ago. Mm -hmm. And
0: just now... They're like, oh, actually, you shouldn't have done that. And he served his community service, but he's had this on his record, and who knows what kind of jobs he's been trying to get? Right, exactly.
1: These are the uh, like the
0: unseen consequences
1: of shitty police work mm-hmm. or faulty, you know, like corrupt police actions have these consequences that happen and affect people long after their encounters with the police. And a
0: shoddy judicial system that the judge heard all of this and she still said, okay, well, you are going to be charged for a misdemeanor. And it wasn't until now that they've overturned that. So even the judge saw this. He's supposed to have a fair trial. And they're still like, "What? what is it? What is it? I was listening
1: to this podcast and they were talking about how they just really have to burn the entire thing to the ground and start from scratch. Um, It's the undisclosed podcast. They're doing a series on Freddie Gray's murder. And they were talking about the autopsy. The specific episode was about the autopsy report and how you can't even really trust any agency When it comes to the police, anyone that works with the police, you're thinking the medical examiner gets their information about what occurred leading up to this person's death from the police. If the police are lying to cover up mistakes that they made, they have to maintain that lie when they're speaking to the medical examiner. So the medical examiner is not even getting... The truth, they're getting the truth that was created by the police because they have to uphold their stories. So it's like, this is having an unintended consequence on the person who has lost their life because the medical examiner is making their determinations based on the story they've been told about what has happened to this person. Even if it's leaving out vital information about, oh yeah, something else happened or this happened, but they leave it out because if they say that. Now they're culpable or, you know, they're, they had to be responsible for those actions or those things that happened. So it's just scary to think about even like county attorney, the DA, all these different agencies that work together and law enforcement are all corrupt. All of them. And so that's what they were saying in this episode was like, you've got, you have to get rid of everybody. You can't get rid of the guy. This guy was saying, you can't just get rid of the police because it's not just the police. They are like the ground floor. This is like, it starts here, but they reach out and it's like, it's like a diagram where you can see all the different places it goes. It just all encompassing. The system is so screwed that like, Everyone is corrupt, so that's something I think about when we're trying to think about what's a fix that we can put on, you know, to this mass incarceration problem. And it it really is strike a match after you've doused it in kerosene, yeah, (laughs) and start over because all of these people who are in power are all these channels that work together. These different agencies, they
0: may be separate, but they are all a one large group. And who's suffering at the expense of that are disenfranchised and people of color. It's easy targets. I would highly, highly recommend,
1: if you don't listen to any other episode of Undisclosed, go to Season 3, Episode 11, mm-hmm. Autopsy, and then listen to the addendum about the autopsy. It will change like the way you look at law enforcement even more than any other episode that I've listened to this
0: season. And there have been some bombshells. And this situation with this guy Primus is just a small piece of a larger narrative of the incarceration of black men boiling down to a large percentage of them boiling down to small misdemeanor levels or very small felony levels of drug possession Such small potatoes. So that also got me thinking about drug reform. And especially here in Arizona, there's a lot that's been done. In 2010, there was a lot of activism surrounding uh, the legalization of medical marijuana out here. And I was a part of that. I wasn't, you know, lobbying. And, you know, I didn't have a platform to go and meet with people who could actually make change. But I was out there protesting and doing what I could and donating and um, for me personally, marijuana reform is a really big passion point in my life. And I feel like a lot of this comes down to this. What can we, what can the government keep? I feel like the government really wants to police marijuana because it's their ticket to policing black people and policing other people of color. And so it's really important. people think, you know, people just want marijuana to be legal so they can, like, smoke on, I don't know, the train or, like, in the park and, like, a bunch of hippies. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about helping people who are sick that could benefit from this. It's about making it not a crime so that people like us and like the people who are in prison right now won't be going to prison because they're being held for such small, small things that, you know, they're not dealing. They just have it. And the fact that you are in an area that's a little poorer and you have skin that's a little darker, where you're going to go to prison for it. It's ridiculous. And so I think that there's a lot of things that we can do. And I think it's changing the perception and the story around what what marijuana is, what it can do to you, what, can, what it can't do to you, how it compares to alcohol because it's the easiest way to understand it as a substance and just things like that. And I was looking... Um, At least for me, the fixes that I found for these situations, I really think we'll just start with educating ourselves, unfortunately. Like there's not a lot we can do to change things in the next year or two or 10 or 20. But just knowing what to do if you're stopped and knowing your rights as a free American on what the police can and can't do for you. But it's just, I, I, would, I would suggest if you are a marijuana user to go online and make sure that what you're in possession of is legal if you do not have a medical marijuana card. But um, a very large amount, a very, very large amount that is not suitable for one human being is considered a misdemeanor. So if you have a dime bag in your pocket, you, you shouldn't be questioned by anyone, but Let's just keep it to the law. (laughs) And no matter what you believe about marijuana, it is illegal. So if you are a person that gets stopped by the police, you do not have to answer any questions without a lawyer present. They have to immediately stop talking to you. They are not allowed to search you, yourself, or your area without a warrant. And you can ask for that warrant, and you can decline having being frisked. There is no probable – if they don't have any probable cause for frisking you – you can decline and just say you need a lawyer. Um, you can read more about this online. You can literally find it anywhere. If you are listening in another state, just find what's legal. And otherwise, just be polite, comply with police, and don't incriminate yourself. And Announce what you're doing because they'll shoot you if you, they think you're going to get... <laughs> like,
1: yep. We've seen it. They will literally shoot you for anything. Like, Remember that guy with the... I don't think he had autism. Mm-hmm. He was like, "I'm holding my hands up, and they still shot him." Ridiculous! Like, Absolutely my ridiculous! My God, I just like I'm not laughing. It's not funny, but it's like you you almost have to just laugh because it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, like, geez, they still shot him. Like, that's that seems odd. Yep. But it's black people are superhuman, so you know, we're superhuman when it comes to police, and we're subhuman when it comes to everything else. Like, yep.
0: Interesting how that works. Less than two pounds is a felony. Four months to two years, 150000 Sale, manufacturing, trafficking, and growing paraphernalia is all different. But just look it up. I don't know anyone in my own life, personally, who's walking around with two pounds of marijuana. And if you are, you are doing something illegal. I'm always interested, so, like, how do they find out when people are growing marijuana? How do they know?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not really sure. I feel like... That has
1: always, like, bothered me. I'm like, how did they know? Somebody had, like, a... You know, like, people have, like, a little area in their home or whatever where they're growing stuff. I'm like, how would anybody know that that exists? Who's yeah. telling on you? Like, right. that is just so strange. It must be a snitch. Because it's... an
0: area is, like, in Humboldt, like, I'm sure they have regular helicopters going and, like, taking photos of yards. But in Phoenix, I think they're looking for meth labs, yeah. not for <laughs> marijuana cultivation. Meth labs, for sure. Yeah. People don't have the capital out here to start a cultivation project, so, you know... I don't think they need to be worrying about that stuff. I've always wondered about
1: that whenever I would watch any type of thing and like somebody would get found out for having like grown stuff. I'm like, how did anybody know what that was? Like, I don't know. It's I don't just know how much I know about marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it always like bothered me. Like it's in their home. How did you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, how? They had a snitch. I'm sure Who they did. Who told on you?
0: This makes no sense. Yeah, they need probable cause to pull you over. Is what I'm seeing. And don't let them
1: privatize
0: prisons because if they do,
1: it's just basically putting a price tag on people and making you know dehumanizing them even
0: more. Mm-hmm.
1: Privatizing prisons is a terrible idea. They put like quotas on it. Like we need to get this many people in here. So then they have people out there actively searching to arrest you and like get you caught up on the pettiest thing. Like oh, you had a tail light out in the back. And if your registration's, like, a day overdue, like, they will arrest, like, just wild stuff. It's, it's literally, like, bounty hunting times a million. Like, dog the bounty hunter, but, like, looking for people who haven't actually committed crimes yet, we just want to find you committing a crime. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than, like, hey, we have to, like, renege on your bond. It's, like, there's such a push for something like that, but with, with, the facts that you gave at the beginning of the segment, talking about how many people are in prisons, but the kinds of people that are imprisoned, it makes sense that mm-hmm. they would want to privatize prisons because the more black and brown people they can get off the streets, the better. Yeah. That's how they
0: see it. Yeah, I mean, the world is better without color people, you know. I don't see color. It's we're all just, the same. Yeah, we're all the same, but I'm going to take you to prison and not you.
1: We're all the same, but I don't earn as much as you because I'm black and then I earn even less because I'm a woman.
0: Yep. So, it's awful. Yeah, no. So, know your rights, people. Don't walk yeah. around with illegal substances regardless of your personal beliefs. Yeah, leave them at home. <laughs> Number 3. Don't ju- Don't vote for these people. Don't vote for these judges. Pay attention to your local elections. You see them happening all the time. You see the little banners like hammered into the ground through your next judge, and you just ignore it because you don't think it matters to you because you'll never have a running with the law, but it could be your friend or your co-worker or your brother. If you see them, run them over. Vote for the people that matter. This is the only way we're going to enact change, and if we're not going to see it, and again, to your point, It's going to take a long time, so start now. Start changing the ideology. So don't vote these people in. Don't give them the power to make stupid effing decisions for us. And also, donate to the Places that matter. Donate to the people that are trying to do things. Donate to Normal. It's the National Organization for Reform Marijuana Laws. They are not a bunch of hippies. They're just trying to legalize it for all of the points that we've said and to stop the criminalization of marijuana, which will literally kill nobody. (laughs) It will kill nobody. And it will just help lots of people. And if you are not down with that, if you still think that it's fishy, then donate to the ACLU and to the AAJC. Um, Those are the Arizona affiliates of those national organizations. And, I mean, there's an Arizona version of the ACLU, but they helped um, Primus win his case or get it overturned. Um, So donate to these people or volunteer for them if you can. Just try to put people, good people, in positions to make change, I think.
1: And if you're a person in... Law enforcement, if you're a person who's working as an attorney or working in an attorney's office or in any type of criminal justice area, and you see people being racist, you see people gunning for certain types of people, certain races, certain classes, you see them making mistakes. You see them covering up their tracks, lying, falsifying stories, whatever. Speak up. Call them out. Have a conscience and do the right thing because people's lives are being affected by inaction. People's lives are being ruined by inaction and silence. And complacency in these racist tactics and, and letting bullshit slide, as John would say, When your head hits that pillow, you can sleep and you have to do your part to putting a stop to it, even if that means blowing the whistle.
0: Mm -hmm. It starts with one person. And a person with privilege, a person with power, and it doesn't necessarily mean a white person. It means that, but not only. It means people like policemen, just like you were saying, who are in those positions of power that can actually enact change. So Phoenix, again, stay vigilant. That's what we're here for, to remind you to stay vigilant. (laughs) to vote for the people the police chiefs the the judges the congressmen vote for the ones that have the same beliefs hopefully as you do and try to do your part too i know i don't have a lot of money but i was thinking at least maybe i can try to volunteer my time and i don't know how that's going to happen because i haven't looked it up yet and i need to take my own advice so amen that's that's that. My fix for this week is going to be another music one. Shakira just came out with her album. I'm so proud of her. Shakira, Shakira. (laughs) 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 But I love her so much and I'm so proud of her and it's been three years. She's so awesome. Man, Shakira takes me back to like middle school. She has been the... She has been paving the road for a long time and it's been three years since her album her last album came out and it's just always a joy because she's such a positive person and has always stayed on the right side of just everything in her life yeah she has and she's just a good role model man she deserves a shout out and her music was it Shakira that had that video with Beyonce yeah either way yeah that's great that she's back yeah and her music's good it's very timely as usual and it's just good to have good music around. It always makes me happy when I get a new release on my Spotify and I turn it on and it's actually worth my time. So it's called Beautiful Liar, Beyonce and Shakira. Amazing. We're watch gonna post the video. That. Yes. We're going to post it on our Facebook <laughs> wall
1: so you guys can watch it. Because they're like both doing the same dancing. Oh, yeah. and it's like, oh my
0: gosh, they look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my fix, Something Light and enjoy it. If you don't listen to her usually, you'll enjoy it. And if not, at least you tried something new. What's
1: your fix? My fix for this week goes out to toffee nut syrup at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to add two pumps of toffee nut syrup to my caramel frappuccino. And my God, I don't ever want a caramel frappuccino that doesn't have toffee nut syrup in it. It was just so good. It added, it imparted like just the perfect amount of nuttiness. It balanced my caramel drizzle that I like around the cup. I didn't have any whipped cream. Probably the best frappuccino I've had in a long time. I had a shot of espresso in it. It was a fantastic Friday frappuccino that I also used my free reward. So thank you, Starbucks, for allowing me to add toffee nut syrup to my frappuccino. And I feel like I want to add the toffee nut syrup to any and everything that I order from Starbucks from now on. Simple but powerful.
0: Yes, I love Starbucks. They'll probably be my fix at least once a month. Well, Howard Schultz, I hope your marketing team is listening and needs a sponsorship on a very small but very powerful local podcast. Yes. We could use the We have a former partner on yes. our podcast. Four and a half years, so... A Starbucks
1: elite member. I'm a gold member. Pay us for the shout out.
0: <laughs> All right. Go get your
1: Starbucks. I hope everyone has a good week and uh, we'll be back next week with some more fixes. We did it!
0: Yay! Wrap, that Bye. is a wrap. Bye everyone!